we started this sermon series a couple weeks ago and uh, I've gotten a decent amount of feedback. I think there's more of you here than there were last week, so that's positive. It's, look, I'll be honest, it's tough to know in our culture what to be mad about, what to be, what to do about the whole thing, isn't it? You ever wake up in the morning, turn on the news, you're just like, I don't know what to do. We're going to try to just keep, keep seeking God on this and looking into his word. By the way, if you're ever confused about what to do, look into the word of God first and then go talk to your friends in case they haven't. Did you get that? In case they haven't went to the word of God first. There's nothing like having great information only to substitute it for bad information. And so when we're in a circumstance where our culture is constantly changing and it's not becoming more godly, it's becoming less. We're in a circumstance like this. Our knee jerk should be to go into the word of God to find out our response to it. Amen. And God is faithful to let us know what to do. So I'm thankful about that. If you have not been baptized yet, August 18th, right? Yeah. Man, it is just a party here uh, when we baptize people. And if you haven't been baptized yet, sign up and do that. Wednesday night, August the 18th, we're going to be doing that. And it's a public profession of your faith. And so we're excited to participate with that. And um, feed you dinner, have a couple food trucks out there. And um, it's just going to be a great night. Have some great worship. Aren't you thankful for the worship team that's here? You guys are great. Daniel chapter 2. By the way, at the rate we're going, it's going to take like a year to figure, to get through Daniel. We won't take that long. Daniel chapter 2, we're going to read, I'm going to read a decent amount of scripture this morning. If you just bear with me, it's kind of the story. And I don't want to skip it. So if you stand to your feet in honor of reading the word. Daniel chapter 2, we're starting verse 1. Say amen if you're ready. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell us, tell your servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. 
You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing from any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that that king asks is difficult. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel as companions to kill them. And then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show him the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah his companions and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom, who, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes Kings and sets up Kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God, my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king and in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I've seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts that would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I may have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Father, we thank you this morning. God, sometimes we wake up and it doesn't seem like we're in the same place. This thing's changing so fast culture is different. Beliefs are different. God, we just pray that in the midst of all that's happening, that your light would shine through us. Lord, in circumstances that seem difficult, Lord, let let your glory be revealed in us. 
we pray, God, that people would come to know you even in these desperate times. We thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Everyone said, amen. You may be seated. So, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about Babylon being the example of uh, how to run a pagan country. <laughs> like it's the, it's the model of, of everything that is anti-God. Matter of fact, you go into the New Testament and Babylon is the, is the example of godlessness. We've talked about how Daniel is, and his buddies were caught up in the first exile out of Jerusalem. Last week we talked about how eating vegetables could actually make you gain weight. Straight up miracle of God. And how God came through when Daniel decided to take a stand. This, this time in chapter 2, we find that... King Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream that he can't remember. Now, I know the way it's written in Daniel, it may be a little confusing. It may seem like he's playing a trick on the diviners and the magicians and the sorcerers, but there's no trick here. The king, uh, at the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, uh, the the territory of Babylon was, was big, and so he would send like expeditionary forces out to the outer ranges of his kingdom to excise taxes on everyone. Make sure just because you lived out in the country didn't mean you weren't paying taxes. Well, what started happening early on was they started getting some resistance out on these border areas. And so around this time, Nebuchadnezzar had to like send a pretty big expeditionary force out there to kind of put one of these resistances down. And it seems that he has gotten a little heartburn over the issue. Anybody had everything stressful? Come on, come on. Even before you knew God, you had something stressful, come on. And, and you started getting an ulcer, getting heartburn, started having dreams, nightmares. Anybody ever have a nightmare you couldn't remember, but you knew you had one? You wake up and you're like sweating. You're like, I don't know what that was. But I don't want to do it tomorrow night. It seems that Nebuchadnezzar is having that happen. He has been troubled by a dream that he cannot remember. And so he goes, this pagan culture, they've got this system set up for dream interpretations. So he pulls the, the typical people in that would interpret dreams and says, Hey, I need you to tell me what the dream was and then interpret it for me. <laughs> so here's the problem. They, they had these large, they had created these large dream manuals. And the magicians and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans, all these people that served in the king's, uh, in the king's favor, they would, they would have like these manuals. And they would, the king would say, I had this dream, and they would go back to the manual and they would flip open and then they would give the interpretation according to what the dream manual said. It's kind of like the tax code. You got to have professionals to figure out what's going on. 
So that's what they, they weren't tarot card readers. They were, they knew the manuals. Well, the manuals only work if you know what the dream is. Now you know why all the magicians are like, hey, King, you're asking us to do something nobody's ever asked anybody to do. So Nebuchadnezzar is worked up over whatever is going on in his kingdom. He is worked up to the point where he's having dreams. He can't, he can't remember the dream, but he knows that it was important. We end up finding out that the dream was about four kingdoms, uh, including his. It was a, a, a glimpse into the future. It was about this big statue and 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 different metals. The statue was made up of different metals, and and it was it was pointing all the way to the kingdom of God that would be established and would never leave. So Nebuchadnezzar knows he's had some type of unsettling dream. He can't remember what it is, and he's willing to kill all of them to figure it out. So they put up the protest. King, you're asking us to do something that no human being can do. You know how this thing works. You tell us what the dream was. We go back to the books and we figure out the interpretation in the book. And then we come back and tell you the interpretation. And he's like, yeah, well, it's not going to work this way. This time you're going to tell me what I can't remember. You're going to earn your keep or I'm not going to keep you. And so he kind of does the carrot and the stick, except he puts the big stick first. And he says, if you can't do this, you keep coming back to me, wasting time. I know you're just trying to get me to forget about it. If you can't do this, I'm going to kill all of you. And he does what any good dictator would do. He gives a very vivid description of it. I'm going to rip you apart. But then on the, on the other side, he says, well, if you can and Tell me what it is and interpret it, then I'll, then I'll just, I'll give you a bonus. <laughs> you ever went into work and it's like, hey, you got two choices, get a bonus or die. This is what's going to happen today. If you go back to chapter one of Daniel, you find out that Daniel and his friends were excelling at things. They weren't, they weren't a bunch of guys just resisting everything. They were actually excelling at the very thing that the king was asking to do. Matter of fact, I think it's chapter 1 verse 17. It starts out, says, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. In the pagan literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them was none found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them to be a little bit better, marginally exceptional, ten times better than anybody else. Ten times better than all the other magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. So God gave Daniel and his buddies the ability to excel in a culture that was anti-God. The way the story goes, Daniel finds out about the decree that went out. 
He's got a buddy. He's got a friend, it seems like, who's kind of in charge of some stuff. And he happens to be the guy in charge of going out and making sure all the magicians and sorcerers die. Daniel inquires of him and says, hey man, what's the rush? What are you guys, what are you guys suiting up for? What's the rush? Why are, you, why are you going out in such haste on this thing? And he says, hey, this is what the king said. It was a decree and this is how it's got to happen. And I don't have a choice. You know, my, back, my back's up against the wall. Daniel, I'm sorry for it. Whatever. And I just, this is what it, Daniel says. Hold on a second. Get me in front of the king. Get me in front of the king. And so the guy presses pause, gets, Dan, gets Daniel, uh, sets Daniel up a meeting in front of the king. And then Daniel goes home to his buddies and says, okay, I got a meeting in front of the king. We got to pray because I got nothing. You ever prayed after you made the commitment? Yeah. Till death do us part. Oh my God. Lord, I forgot to pray about that before. And now I'm praying about it now. Not, not us. I don't never pray. I pray, but it's never about that. It just seemed funny to me that Daniel's like, hey, hey, I got a meeting in front of the king. We got to pray. The Bible says that they pray and in a vision in the middle of the night, Daniel, God gives Daniel the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and the interpretation. Daniel gets up the next day and says, all right, I'm ready. Goes in front of the king, tells him the whole thing. At the end of the day, the king ends up bowing down to Daniel. It's crazy. I want to point out a couple things in this story that I think will help us in, in, in this rapidly changing culture and this rapidly, our culture is not moving to a more godly culture. And by the way, I don't necessarily think it ever will. I'm not a pessimist, but I, I don't know that we're going to wake up one day in America and go, oh man, everybody loves Jesus today. That doesn't mean the church doesn't play a role in our culture. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save those that are lost. Amen. And so he's called us to be the revelation of Christ on the earth and to make disciples in that manner. So one of the things that strikes me is this, is that Daniel and his buddies were really, really good at what they were doing. We've talked about this a couple of times. As a matter of fact, we mentioned it last week. I think as the church, we should be really, really, really good at what we do. Amen. If somebody comes in and finds out, I believe in Jesus. And then they're like, ah, well, he's not really good at anything, but he's got the Jesus thing going for him. No, no, no. I want God in me, the Holy Spirit in me to cause me to be really good at what God called me to do. Amen. So whatever we're doing now, the Bible tells us that we could do it as if we're working for the Lord, not men. So that would give us a better, even better motivation to be better at it. Because Daniel is in a God, absolutely godless culture. And yet when he stands in front of the king, the testimony about him is he's 10 times better than anybody else. Ten times better than anybody else. Now, Daniel didn't have the benefit that we get to meet every Sunday and encourage each other. We'll get together on Wednesday nights and baptize and celebrate and cheer people on. And we've got, we've got all kinds of programs and, and Bible studies and all kinds of things that make us better. And is our culture looking at us as individuals going, hey, 
they, they believe in Jesus and something about them, they're, they're better at this. They're better at it. Ephesians 2.10 says, well, it's arguably my favorite verse in the Bible because it keeps, it keeps stuff in front of me. I, I'm the personality type that I want to accomplish things. I want to keep going. I want to, I want to get to places and accomplish and have tabs. Like we're going to, we're going to do it and be good at it and just keep moving forward. And, and Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, listen, you are the craftsmanship of God as individuals, not collective, but you individually are the craftsman, the workmanship of God. Like, like God took a piece of wood and just masterfully carved it out and it became you. And he says, when he did that, he went way ahead in front of you and set up things for you to accomplish, for you to be good at. Does that make you feel good? God did not go out in front of you for you to be a failure consistently. Maybe a little. We all learn. But not over and over and over again. He went out in front of you so that you could do good works that he had already prepared for you to accomplish. So all of a sudden, Daniel is in a pagan culture. And what did God do? Go back to the Old Testament. God was still doing it back then. God went in front of Daniel and caused him to excel in things. Now, that guess what that meant? Daniel still had to get up on time. Daniel still had to give a good attitude. Daniel still had to read the books. Can I, if you're a college student here, can I, can I give you a little tip? God will, you cannot get what you need by sleeping on the book and praying in the morning. It's not going to happen. The Holy Spirit in us gives us the capacity. We have to have the initiative. Those are two different things, aren't they? How many times have you seen somebody with capacity and no initiative? The Holy Spirit in us gives us the capacity and then, and then us, because of the grace that God has poured out in us, we then say to bring glory to God, I'm going to do the best I possibly can. The, the, the deal is you get more than somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So, so you should be better, less offendable, more on time. Nicer, not that one. (laughs) I never want anybody to find out I'm a Christian and then be disappointed. I thought they were going to do better. They proclaimed the name of Jesus and then they didn't do what they said they were going to do. Daniel is an exile in a world that is so strange to him. And yet he's excelling. He's excelling at stuff. I want us to be great in our culture, in our community. Do the best you possibly can. If God has called you to it, then he is willing to resource you for that moment in your life. And I'm starting to find out with me, the only thing standing in my way is me a lot of times in being better at what I do. The only thing standing in my way is me at being a better Chris. 
God is not withholding from me going, I don't want you to be any better than that. No, he's saying, hey, listen, it's all open for you. It's all right there. The opportunity's there. I'll give you the ability. I'll give you, I'll give you the knowledge. I'll give you the wisdom. You just have to take advantage of it. Amen? God has equipped Daniel and his friends to excel at things that were important to their captors. Okay. Here's something that the church gets a little weirded out about. We need to be good at things, not everything, but we need to be good at things that is important to our culture. We're not starting a commune here, by the way. Anybody? Okay. okay. Like they don't work out real well. The church needs to be good at things, good at answers that the community needs. Amen? Or the church becomes irrelevant. You want to become irrelevant real quick? Answer questions nobody's asking. So the, the, weight, the weight on the church is can we be good at things the community needs? Because Daniel was good at something the king needed. That's why he's not dead. That's the, that's the moral of the whole story. He was able to step in. God equipped him to step into a circumstance that the king needed. And there wasn't, there wasn't, even, a, a, there wasn't even a conversation about whether this was godly or not. It was where he was. So... Don't stretch that too far. I'm not telling you to lie or work. I'm not telling you to do ungodly things, but I'm telling you to be the best in your office. Be the best you can possibly be. Amen? Answer questions that our community needs. Let's be great at stuff that benefits the people around us. Amen? Daniel does that. They're excelling. God equipped them to do it. Every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better. Than all the magicians and the chanters that were in his kingdom. So here's the issue. I, I've told you before, I read the Bible in spy novels. Sometimes I get them confused, but I, usually on Sunday morning I've got them separated. I do read other leadership books and stuff like that, but I like spy novels. So I thought, I thought for, this would be a better scenario. If I was going to write the story of Daniel, it would be like this. The decree goes out, they're going to kill all, all of the magicians. All right, Daniel is a God-fearing man from Jerusalem. And God put him in there, snuck him in like a spy, exiled in the Babylon. Now, Daniel actually has the interpretation of the dream, but because he's so patriotic, he holds it. Because you want to have the maximum impact on the enemy. Wouldn't it be a great story if Daniel was given the dream and then he didn't tell anybody? And at the end of the book, all the sorcerers died and Daniel's, yeah, Daniel's there being killed. And he's like, freedom! That's another movie, isn't it? That's not the same. That'd be a great book though, wouldn't it? He'd be like, man, Daniel was a patriot. He never bent. He's not gonna, he's not gonna bend his, bend his rules so he could save a bunch of pagan worshipers. That'd have been a good book. Right down to the end. You've got to be a martyr for what you believe. Yeah. 
I realized there's like a cat hair difference between a martyr and an idiot. (laughs) Just about that much. Just about that much. You know what the difference is? Was it worth it? Now, here's the issue. If Daniel would have went down with the ship and said, hey, hey, listen, listen, guys, we're going to pray for strength. We're not giving that king anything. They came into our country. They laid siege to Jerusalem and they took us here against our will. And then they made us, made us study all this stuff and we're sick of doing their things. And we're going to go down with the rest of these people. And we're not telling them, no, we're not giving them any satisfaction. We're not helping at all. And I just want you guys to start praying because it's going to hurt. I think the church has that attitude sometimes in today's culture. That the more godless our culture gets, the less we are willing to engage with it. And we are going down on a ship and everybody's just standing back watching. What are those dummies doing? What are they doing? They meet in their churches every Sunday. There's all these problems in the culture and, and they don't engage. They just stand back. And we're going, well, we can't because you're pagan. You don't love God. You don't want any real solutions. And we can't do this because God told us that we can't be friends with you. There wasn't just four Hebrews saved that day. There was a whole bunch of pagan magicians saved that day. We cannot forget that God called us to engage the culture, not necessarily change the culture, but to save people. We're going to get to the end of this story. The culture never changed. Matter of fact, Daniel kept alive a bunch of sorcerers. I don't understand the Bible either. Kill them all. This is a good day. Sometimes God being revealed to our culture means we have to engage in that culture. Sometimes we're going to have to engage organizations and people that don't agree with us and and aren't going to give God the glory and aren't going to see it the way we see it at the end and maybe won't change their minds, but, but we could, but we could do something good for the glory of God. Amen. And, and, and listen, I know boycotts and where I'm not shopping there and I'm doing this and I'm not. I've thought about all those things before, but I I just step back because, because Jesus came into the culture, engaging it in every way. He's eating with sinners and tax collectors. He's showing up with a woman who was called adultery. And he's like, Hey, let, let her go. And all the religious people are like, are you crazy? He's meeting with a Samaritan woman in a well where his own people don't even understand why he's doing it. He is engaging culture to the point where it makes all the other religious people around him nervous. And he doesn't spend a lot of time explaining himself except to say, I came for the sick, not the well. I came to seek and save those that are lost. And if it makes it look a little funky that I'm engaged with the culture to do that, I don't know what to tell you. 
I'm sorry I'm not this whitewashed Jesus who, who did everything exactly the way you thought it was. This Messiah that was going to come in and just sit on a chair and, and decree orders like you want. No, I'm going to come in and engage the culture in a way that's going to make you nervous. <laughs> 2,000 years later, the church is still nervous about it. And when our overall culture is going farther in the tank, we seem to be more apt to go down with the ship. And Daniel went, no, 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 we'll just engage. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Hey, listen, he called his buddy up. He was like, Hey, I don't, I don't know why you guys are trying to kill everybody so fast. Get No, he didn't call him up. He probably wrote him a letter or something. He, um, he says, what, what's, what, why all the haste, why all the rushing? The guy explains the story to him. Daniel says, set me up an appointment with the king. Puts pause on this thing, set me up an appointment with the king. And the guy goes, okay. All right, we'll set you up an appointment. See, see how this, see how this is going to work out. See what's going to happen here. He sets him up an appointment with the king. And then Daniel Daniel goes back to his buddies and says, let's pray. Now, I can almost guarantee you because what we will get further into Daniel, we will find this out about him because there's another part of Daniel's life where they were banned from praying and, and Daniel prays anyway. And the, and the writer of Daniel says he did it as he normally does. Daniel had specific times of the day where he would stop what he was doing and pray. And it was like, uh, it was like just, uh, just what he, it was part of his daily routine. It was part of his life. I'm going to have communion with God at these times during the day and nobody's going to get in the way of that. So if he was doing it further in the future, I can assume he had already been doing it. It was part of who he was. So Daniel seems like calm and collected. In the midst of this chaos, he goes to the guy and says, why all the rush? Why are we doing this so fast? And the guy says, man, the king is really upset about this. He can't remember a dream and nobody could tell him. And Daniel says, put me on the list. Well, what we've already talked about is Daniel didn't know it. But there seems like this cool collective confidence that came over him. And he was like, just put me on the list. He goes back to the house and he says, okay, guys, listen, I got a point with the king and I got nothing. So we need to pray about this. You know what I'm starting to find out in my life? There's a little equation that happens in my life. And here's where I think the church may be going awry. Because it seems like to me, the church in America is getting angrier. I kind of feel that. You're not going to do this. We're, this is our, we're, we're going to stand up and we're not going to let this happen anymore. And you're not going to tell us what to do. And we're going to do it the way. That type of attitude happens to me when I pray less. <laughs> do you see Daniel's conversation with the, with the guy who's supposed to go around and kill everybody? He's not screaming at him. He's not talking about the injustice of the whole thing. He's not going, I can't believe you're letting this happen. Do you understand? He's not saying anything. He says, can you set me up an appointment? So there's a little equation. 
And uh, don't talk to my family about if it works right now or not. More prayer equals less anger. Less prayer. Anybody else? You don't have to admit it. I know it's true. More prayer equals more prayer equals more confidence. Not pride, but confidence in God. More prayer equals more calmness. Less prayer equals less calmness. Less prayer equals less confidence. So what does Daniel? Daniel is proving out his prayer life by setting up the appointment before he knows the dream. What if the church started engaging that way? Hey, listen, listen, I know that it's probably weird for a church to get involved in this or weird for Christians to get involved in this, but listen, I want to help and I don't know what the answer is right now, but I've been praying and I believe God can equip us to do this. That's what Daniel did. Goes back to his friends. He's like, hey man, you better pray. Pray like we've been praying. We're gonna, God's going to come through. I don't, I'm not worried about it. God's going to come through. We're going to pray. And, and he's going to deliver us. God has always delivered us. He's always been there for us. He's always made a way. There seems to be no way. He's been for us all the way through this exile thing. We made it this far. He's given us the ability to be better than everybody else here. And God is shining his light on us. And now there's one more opportunity. By the way, church, by the way, by the way, listen to me. If the culture we're in is going farther away from God, there will be more opportunity for God to do things through us. (laughs) So the next time, the next time you're so irritated about the bad thing that's happening to you at work, I can't believe it. Why? Why can't you believe it? Instead of of getting mad and saying, I can't believe it, why don't we say, God, for such a time as this, You got me this job. You got me the promotion. You got me this. You got me that. And now your Holy Spirit in me is going to get me out of it. Your Holy Spirit in me is going to get me through it. Why should we be shocked when people that don't know God act like people that don't know God? Yeah. No parent should be shocked about a two-year-old. See, the point I made there, you better introduce them to Jesus real quick if you want the rest of your life to go well. Listen, more prayer equals more justice. More prayer equals more calmness. More prayer equals more answers from God. Screaming never reduced injustice. It just doesn't. Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel tells him what it is. And Daniel went in and requested to the king to appoint him a tithe that he might show the interpretation of the king. Daniel and his friends did not start praying that day. They prayed that day because they had been praying. And if prayer is not your knee jerk, prayer won't be your knee jerk. Just believe that. If prayer is not your knee jerk up to this point, if going to God about your circumstance has not been the repetitive nature of your life at this point, the next trouble you get into the next time, the next time the pressure comes on and God has an opportunity to reveal himself through you, prayer might not be your reaction then. So it's important for us to set up these habits because when it hits the fan, 
The church has to be right. Amen? We can't be lashing out at people that we were called to see redeemed. A real relationship with God will give you the confidence in what he is capable of, not the problem in front of you. So Daniel prays, and the Bible says that in the middle of the night, he sees a vision. And it's the dream that the king had. He sees the dream and it gets the interpretation. You can read on in Daniel chapter two, the dream is about four kingdoms and, and it's, and it starts with Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom and it goes on and on and, and three more kingdoms and it ends up with the kingdom of God, the real kingdom set up by Christ that never ends, that never ends. And like I said, it's, it's this imagery of this statue with different metals and clay and all this stuff. And, and Daniel gets all that. So he gets, he gets a opportunity now to get in front of Nebuchadnezzar the king. And Nebuchadnezzar goes, amen. He talked like that, by the way. I've read a couple of the old scrolls. Um, hey, man. Uh, they said you can interpret. You, you can tell me what the dream is. Daniel says, I can't do it. You know, the first thing we need to get as followers of Christ is just a little bit of humility. As good as I am, I ain't that good. As good as king, as good as you've seen me. The reason I'm that good is because there's a God in heaven with the big G, not the little G's that you hang around with, but the, the OG, the original God. And he's the one that is going to tell you what your dream is today. So Daniel tells him the dream. The king lays down in front of Daniel, prostrates himself in front of Daniel. And Daniel says, man, you know what? It's still God. It's still God. And so, listen, here's what I genuinely believe. I genuinely believe there's answers to cultural issues in our community. There's answers to real problems in our community sitting right in this room right now. That if we'd engage with our community, regardless of whether they're saved or not, regardless of whether they attend our church or not, regardless of whether they believe anything you believe or not. But if we'd engage our community to solve real problems that is destroying our community... At the end of the day, we better look up and go, hey, it was all him. I know it looked pretty good coming through me, but it was the spirit of God in me that enabled me to do it. And he receives all the glory and the honor and the credit for it because at the end of the day, it was all him. All right. One last thing. The band's going to come up. Wouldn't it be nice if the church went out and did something amazing and then the whole community went, oh, oh yeah, you're right about this Jesus thing. We were wrong. And maybe the mayor of Hedgesville or Martinsburg, where maybe they made a decree that everybody had to be a Christian now. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Probably not going to happen. There's a little thing. You ever heard this theme, move the goalpost? You ever heard that? Move the goalpost. It's like, uh, this was the target. Anybody in sales? Anybody work off a commission? Yeah. So you know what this is. You get to it 
and then they move it. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, I just got here. Let me just lay here a little bit and recover. I just got here. And they move the, they move the target, move the target, move the target, move the target, move the target. Anybody grow up in a house like that? Bring home an A and they're like, it should have been A plus. Just keep moving the target. The church is awful at moving the target. We always want a bigger miracle than what just happened. We're always pointing to something bigger than what just happened. So, so we get, we get knocked off course because we're always like, oh no, no. Okay. Yeah. God healed you of your cancer, but we're waiting on the arm to grow back. Yeah. That's going to be the real one. Everybody will believe if your arm grows back. The Bible does say that Nebuchadnezzar bent down and prostrated himself before Daniel and made some great comments about the God of all the universe. Verse 46, and King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. That's pretty sweet. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God, big G, is God, big G, of God's, little g, and Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the mystery. Now, an immature interpretation of that scripture would deduce that Nebuchadnezzar now believes in the one true God. Yay! Don't move the goalpost. There is no indication that Nebuchadnezzar was now a follower of the one true God. There is a little bit of indication that Nebuchadnezzar might have put the one true God in his back pocket with all the other little G's. He's a pagan worshiper. So all of a sudden now, he he knows a trick that now works when his other little gods don't work. So what we do is we move the goalposts. The goal was never Nebuchadnezzar. What was the goal? It was to keep all these people from dying. It was to keep all the people from dying. That was the original goal. We would like not to die. Whatever happens after that, okay, What the church does is we say, okay, we were called to make disciples. We were called to make followers of Christ. We were called to see people come to Christ. And then what we did is we tacked onto it. We want our government to operate a certain way. Oh, sorry. That wasn't the goal. We say, here's here's God. Go into all the world and make disciples teaching him to obey everything I've commanded you and I will be with you always. And we went, okay, that's cool, man. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we always want our president, Lord. And the goal is, is if the culture isn't what we want, then we haven't reached what God wanted us to do. But he didn't call us. We talked about this last week to change the culture. He called us to see people saved. Yeah. So listen, stop moving the goalposts. It wasn't about Nebuchadnezzar necessarily believing in God. It was about all those people not dying. That was the end goal. The end goal was that Daniel was still alive and so were his buddies. The end goal was that they still got to breathe the next day. 
And so the church has to be content in what God has called us to do. God has called us to engage our neighbors and to engage people so that they can inherit eternal life. And the result of that could be good things that happen. But that's what he called us to do. Called us to be good at what he's put in front of us and to share Christ with people around us. And not move the goalpost. I'm so angry about stuff that he hadn't called me to do. Amen. So I can lay my head down at night and say, God, thank you for putting that in me. Thank you for giving me the ability to do that. Thank you, Lord, for the results that you provided for us. Thank you, God, for making us effective. Thank you, Lord, for all your goodness. And I don't have to go to bed bemoaning all the stuff that he hasn't done. Because he's doing what he said he would. Amen. He's doing every day what he said he would. And if we can keep praying and keep walking in his directive, then he can do it through us. Amen. Just like Daniel. Stand to your feet. Come on. I want us to lift our hands this morning. The thing that we have to remember is that in every circumstance that you're in right now, that God is able to do a miracle. He is able to reach down in your circumstance, whether it's dealing with drug addicts, whether it's dealing with sick people, whether it's dealing with people that don't believe anything like you in your work, whatever it is in your circumstance, God is able to, just like he did with Daniel, to reach down in that middle of all of that and do a miracle and that he would receive glory for. Amen.